Stand up real high and our ushers will get you a Bible so you can see the Word of God. Get in the Word and God will get into you. Then go to 2 Timothy 2. 2 Timothy 2. Where's that at? Well, it's right after 1 Timothy. A lot of help, aren't I? <laughs> I'll give you time to find it. You know, the absence of God's Word in your life will rob you from ever receiving God's best. Proverbs 13, 13 says, You ignore the Word and you will suffer. Now, you got to get the Word in your life that it becomes your guide that you live by. It becomes the guide about what I speak, even what I think. But i got to get the Word of God in me. Read it, read it, read it, read it, read it. Hear it, hear it, speak it, do it, and then repeat it again. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you'll meditate on it there in day and night, that you may hear the word, but also that you may observe to do all that's according to written in it. Then you'll make your way prosperous, and then you'll have good success. All tied up in the word of God. The thing is about the word of God, guys, is, is when it happens. You just got to keep, keep on, keep on, keep on, keep on. Just keep on, okay? And God will, will help you. He'll bless you. 2, Th 2 Timothy 2. We're going to start in verse 14 now. If you've been here the last few weeks, we've been talking about our words. Today we're going to talk about some words too. And if you're in a storm of life right now, I mean you look and you think, whoo, I am in a storm of life. I believe this will help you today. 2 Timothy 2 verse 14. Remind them of these things, charging them before the Lord. Now the message says, repeat these basic essentials over and over. So he says, charge them before the Lord. Listen to this. Not to strive about words to no profit. So you know what he just tells me right there? That some of the words that I speak out of my mouth can have no profit to them at all. In other words, no good or no benefit. And look what he goes on to say here, to the ruin of the hearers. So when I think I can just say words and there's no, no harm or anything bad, that's wrong, guys. It says right there that it can bring ruin to the healer or the hearer. It can bring ruin to every one of us. I don't care who you are. It upsets. The message says right, right, right there that nitpicking will chip away your faith. This is what happens. Verse 15, be diligent. You know what diligent is? Do it over and over and over again to present yourself approved to God. A worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So I've got to get the word in me, guys. The word of God becomes my blueprint. Diligent to study the word. Diligent to live by the word. You know, human tendency is to avoid the truth. You know what, most humans, guys, we don't want to hear the truth. We want to hear what we want to hear. Now, sometimes the Word of God is accurately ignore, uh, annoying. And sometimes I look at the Word of God and I don't like it, but I realize it's best for me that the Word of God will change me. Now, look at the very next verse, verse 16. But shun, get rid of, Profane and idle babblings, empty words. One translation says vain or useless talking. What did he say to do with it? Shun it. Get rid of it. Why? 
For these will increase to more ungodliness. So he tells me right there, when I begin to babble and speak words that I shouldn't, it will lead me or it will accumulate more ungodliness in our lives. Now many times we, we hear this, where the mind goes, the, the, the man follows. I believe this, that, that where the mind is, the mouth will start speaking it. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so this is kind of where he's talking. That you better start guarding your mouth. Now, in life, it's relatively easy when everything is really, really going well to be strong in the faith. When life is really smooth and calm and there's not much turmoil in life, it's pretty easy or relatively easy to speak the things of God and and walk with, with the Word, live by it. But the key is when I start falling into the storms of life, what do I say out of my mouth? Now, I can tell you this right here. The storms of life are going to show up to every one of us. Every one of us. I don't care who you are. Jesus said in John 16, 33, he said, In this world, you will have tribulation. So every one of us, guys, we're going to go through some things in life And I believe it's very essential that when I'm in the storms of life to really, really guard my words. Now let me give you some definitions of that word tribulation. Stress. Don't raise your hands, but any of you got any stress going on? Probably every one of us. How about adversity? How about affliction? One of the best definitions I found for tribulation was squeezing. So when life starts squeezing me, guess what's going to come out? What's in my heart? You know what? You can turn your lemons to lemonade too when life starts squeezing you, but I better make sure my words are lining up. Now go back with me into the Old Testament to Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah 53. Now when the storms of life comes, guys, this is where I really believe you're not only going to have to guard your heart, you're going to have to guard your mouth. What comes out? Remember, Proverbs, 6, or Proverbs 18, 21 says, Death and life are in the power of my tongue, your tongue. What happens when most people get squeezed by life? We start yakking. We just start spouting off and saying the stupidest things. How many of you have ever said something and later on you look back and you said, Why did I say that? This is why we're talking about words here. Now, this is a passage of Jesus himself, his own life. And you're going to see right here that when Jesus was on this earth, he really got squeezed by life. Isaiah 53, let's begin in verse 3. And the word he here you'll see over and over is talking about Jesus. He is despised and rejected by man. A man of sorrows or pain And he was acquainted with grief as we hid, as it were, our faces from him. Jesus was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne or carried our griefs. You know what griefs are? All the junk in our life. And he's carried our sorrows and our pain. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. Now listen to this, verse 5. But Jesus was wounded for our transgressions. 
Jesus was wounded for your transgressions. You know what your transgressions are? Your bad choices. I like to say it this way. Jesus was wounded for my transgressions. But he didn't stop there. He was bruised for our iniquities. He was bruised for our rebellion. In other words, Jesus took it for us. And it says, the chastisement for our peace was upon him. If you'll notice there, he didn't say the chastisement for him, but it was for you and me. Now look what it goes on to say. And by Jesus' stripes, we are healed. Now I can read every one of this over again, guys. And you look, he was smitten. He was rejected. He was despised. He was beaten and he was bruised. But it didn't stop. Verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray or, or wandered off. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid or piled on him the iniquity of us all. And you know what all means in, in Webster's Dictionary? All. Still means all. You know what that means? That if every one of us in here came down here and we dogpiled each other and threw all our sins and iniquities, Father God said, I laid everything you've ever done wrong right here upon him. Now, I don't know about you. I really like that. Because for about 20 years of my life, I accumulated a lot of sin. What does that mean? I made a lot of lousy choices. And my choices, guys, not only affected me, I caused a lot of pain. But you know what? When I read this, Jesus, he took my pain. And he took your pain. And he took your shame. Everything within you. But look what happens in the next verse. This gets even better. Verse 7. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. One translation says he was broken and tortured. Yet he opened not his mouth. Wow. When I look at this, everything that he went through, look what it said. Yet he opened not his mouth. Now in the message translation, Proverbs 10.19 says... A wise man measures their words. You know what that tells me? A wise man, he thinks before he speaks. He just doesn't start firing and shooting. Proverbs 18.27 in the message says, The one who knows much says little. In other words, he's very choice with the words he speaks. Now, if you talk too much, you need to start asking the Lord to help you. You really do, because I'm going to tell you right now, if you talk too much, you're going to be hung by your tongue. That's the 11th commandment. Thou shalt not be hung by thy tongue. Now, have you ever thought about this? With every one of our heads, every one of us in this room, think about all the holes you have in your head. You got two holes right here on the side of your head. You got two right here in your eyes. And you got two right here in your nostrils. But he only gave us one mouth. Thank you. <laughs> Hallelujah. And the Lord bless you. <laughs> you think he was trying to teach us something or tell us? I believe he was. 
And I believe right here, when the storms of life hit Jesus, he opened not his mouth. Now keep reading. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shears is silent, so Jesus opened not his mouth. I'm going to read you or give you a scripture that you really need to get. Ecclesiastes 3.7 says, There's a time to speak and there's a time to be silent. And the time to speak, I believe, is when we measure our words and we're very conscientious of the things that are going out of my mouth. But the time to be silent, I believe, at times is what mama said. If you can't say anything good, don't say nothing at all. And in my house, when we get silent, we call it dropping it into neutral. In other words, if you're not going to speak the word of God out of your mouth, don't say nothing at all. Most of our losses in life come one inch below our nose. Right here, this thing called the tongue. And we short-circuit our faith by the words out of our mouth. Now, in this passage right here, for every one of us, Jesus is teaching us something. But with us, every one of us, our mouths want to give expression to our feelings. So what happens is when our feelings get hurt or, or we get mad about something... Our mouth wants to express it. And so what do we normally do? We just start firing. We become like a, a machine gun is what this is talking about. And I believe here Jesus was saying here, guys, he knew better than to rashly express what his feelings were. Now think about this just for a second. What usually happens when you get angry? Most of the times when we get angry, we cuss, and we fuss, and we complain, and we begin to yak. And usually, you know why that happens? Is we start getting squeezed by life. Something squeezes us. And in Jesus' life, he got squeezed, guys, but he didn't open his mouth. Now go with me back into the New Testament to Ephesians chapter 4. And this is going to help you. How do you know? Because it's helping me right now. It's working on me. The Word of God is working on me. Now let me tell you something. When you have the opportunity to open your mouth and start spouting off, you better realize death and life are in the power of the tongue. And I'm going to go a little farther this morning. When you get on... Facebook, when you start Twittering and tweeting and what else ever you do, and email and Gmail and Hotmail and all the above, and then we get over and, man, you can look at all the different things we can, we can put on the Internet. Now, guess what, guys? Those are still words. And you're still going to be held accountable for those words. And it's incredible some of the stuff that you can read on Facebook. Once again, guys, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And if you can't say amen, say oh me. Now what happens in life with every one of us, guys? Our words are either building us up or they're blowing us up. And if you look in the thing called war, a lot of the targets people will go after in, in, in war is a bridge. You know why they know? If we can blow up a bridge, 
we cut their supply route. Now in our life, our bridge is the Father God. And so my words are either blowing up the bridge or they're building it up. Every one of us. I encourage some of you, be very cautious what you put on Facebook. And if you can't control it, get off of Facebook. And instead of being on Facebook, start literally facing the book. Okay? It'll help you. People say, Pastor, where's your Facebook? I don't have a Facebook. And when people say, we want to email you, I laugh. I laugh because, you know what? I don't know. If you want to get a hold of me, email, you're going to have to do it through my wife. You're going to have to do it through the church. When people call me and want to get my email address, you know what I do? I say, wait just a minute. I'm going to put you on hold. I'm going to turn you back over to Ramona. And I buzz Ramona and say, Ramona, tell them the email. I don't have a clue what it is. I'm serious because I don't get on that stuff. You know why? Because I'm going to put a guard around me. And if I'm not disciplined enough to look at the computer, then get off of it. Boy, howdy, I'm preaching good. I'm preaching a lot better than you guys are amen. And <laughs> I'm just kidding, kind of. Ephesians 4, let's get moving here, verse 17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles, the sinners, in futility or empty-headed of the mind. Now, what's that? Having their understanding or their moral understanding darkened, and they're alienated from the life of God. They've lost touch. Why? Because of the ignorance that is in them, because the blindness of their heart. Now, verse 18, guys, that described me. That described you before you got born again. You walked around in ignorance. You walked around in the blindness of the heart. You didn't know who you were through Christ. I didn't either. This is why I got to start learning the Word of God. And this is what this little passage will start telling us. He says, Who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all the uncleanliness and to greediness. Verse 20. But you have not so learned Christ. And you know what he's telling me here? You wanted the key to life? You got to learn Jesus how do I learn Jesus? I read the word and I see the things that Jesus did and I hear what he taught. So i got to start learning the word. How do I do that? Well, look how it starts. If you have indeed heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Now, when you start reading about Jesus and you start reading the word, John eight thirty two says, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. For 20 years of my life, guys, I didn't know the truth. So guess what? I walked in defeat. I got my rear kicked in life is what it was. But once again, when I started finding out about Jesus and what the Bible said, it began to change me. You know what I'm telling some of you? There's still hope. But you got to get into the Word. Verse 21 or verse 22. That you put off concerning your former conduct. The old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Got to get rid of that old man. Verse 23. And, re and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Fix your attention on God and God will change you from the inside out. 
Now, here's what I want every one of you to know. Only God can change people. How many of you have tried to fix yourself? I try to fix myself. You know what actually happened? I, I, I got into a worse mess. But when I begin to read the Word of God and I begin to say, Jesus, okay, you come on the inside of me and you begin to change me. See, that's part of the problem in marriage. You get married, you know what you want to do? You want to change your spouse. I mean, you want to change your spouse. I worked on Shell and she still doesn't submit to it. The deal is, guys, we're not charged to, to change each other. Only God can do that. How do we begin to change? Right there, he says, by the renewing of your mind to the Word of God. The Amplified says, constantly renewing. Where's that in the Bible? Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How am I transformed? From a worm to a butterfly. By the renewing of my mind to the Word of God. So I start reading the Word of God. And the Word of God will start changing you. And you'll start seeing yourself how the Bible sees you. It's the only way. So he's telling us here. He's giving us some insight. And then he says, verse 24, that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. This is what will start happening. Verse 25. Therefore, put away lying. Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Now, when we talk about anger here, guys, every one of us, anger is a natural emotion. Things will happen and you get angry. The point is right here is I can't stay angry. And when anger comes upon most of us, what do we want to do? We start speaking. Now, once again, we fuss, we cuss, we complain when anger comes. And usually, you know what we do? We start firing. We start shooting. Now, he gives us some insight here. He says, do not be angry. And look what he goes on to say. And do not let the sun go down on your wrath. So guess what that means? You've got till the end of the day to get rid of that anger. Even in marriage, guys. There's times Shelley said, you've got, you got to get rid of that. And I said, the sun's not down yet. i got a few more hours here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hang on here. I'm just kidding. Don't do that, man. <laughs> guys, get me off here. Now, what happens here, guys, with this anger is, is he's giving us some insight. What happens? Because he knows you stay angry before long, your mouth's going to start firing. And look what goes on here. In verse 28 and 29, I believe he gives us a list of some things. He first dealt with lying. Now he says, let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor. Work with his hands what is good that he may have something to give him who is in need. Now listen to this. Listen right here. Let not corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. Now, I believe he understands here. A lot of times when we get angry, this is what happened. Listen to what it says in the Amplified. No foul or polluting language, no evil word, nor unwholesome or worthless talk ever come out of your mouth. And if you'll notice the very next word, he says, but. But what is good for necessary for edification or building up that it may impart grace to the hearers. 
The mess or the amplified says only such speech that is good and beneficial to spiritual progress. Now, if you read the rest of that, the very next verse he gets over on how we can grieve the Holy Spirit. One way we grieve the Holy Spirit is by evil speaking. So with every one of us in here, guys, we need the Holy Spirit. He's the one that helps us. He assists us. But when we begin to yak out of our mouth, he backs off. He backs up and is like, I can't do anything because what you've done. If you've done that, guys, repent and say, Father God, I don't want to do that. I need you, Holy Spirit. I ask you to help me be very choice with my words. Now, with every one of us, foolish words and phrases, they may seem insignificant. Ah, that's just little bitty words, guys. But those small phrases and small words can literally hold you into bondage. How many of you have ever gotten a little bitty splinter in your finger? I mean, that thing is a pest. How about a little paper cut? And I've seen grown men with a paper cut cry. <laughs> it's just little bitty. And so this, this analogy here, think about this. If that little paper cut hurts, what about our little bitty words? So what happens even in the arena of anger, the devil knows if I can get him angry, if I can get him mad, if I can get him upset, if I can get him frustrated, normally they're going to start shooting. They're going to start firing. And death and life are in the power of the tongue. Now go with me to your left there to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. See, the devil, guys, he knows there's power in your words. He knows what the Word of God says. That's why he's going to work overtime on you to try to get you to say things you shouldn't. Now, in this passage right here, this is the Apostle Paul talking, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Let's get some insight on this, even what he says. 2 Corinthians Verse, or chapter 4, verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Now, what happens in life, most of the time we put our marbles or all our stock in earthen treasures. The things of this earth. And we think, you know what, if I just had this, I'd be happy. If I just had a better job, I'd be happy. If I just had a newer car, if I just had a better wife, if I just, so guess what? We put all these marble in these earthen vessels, and earthen vessels, guys, they're weak, they're fragile, and they won't last, okay? That is false. How many of you know you get a new car today, and six months down the line, that thing's dirty and nasty? It gets old if you don't take care of it anyhow. Keep reading. That the excellence of the power may be of God and not us. Now, you know what he's telling you? You want real treasures in your life? Start looking to God. Quit looking to us. Quit looking to other people to make you happy. You know, some of you say, man, my wife never makes me happy. I'm going to tell you guys, only Jesus is going to fulfill that. Now look what Apostle Paul gets into here starting in verse 8 and 9. We are hard-pressed, trouble or oppressed on every side, yet not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. 
Now you read all those things and so you can tell right there, the Apostle Paul, just through the wording he's talking about, is telling you, you're going to get squeezed by life. There's going to be things that are going to happen that are literally going to try to squeeze you. Now for time's sake, I'm going to jump to verse 13. Now look what he says in this passage. And since we have the same spirit of faith, let me ask you something. What's the basis of faith? The Word of God. Faith come by hearing. The basis of faith is you learn to trust in Jesus. And he said, since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written. Now, if you were here last week, we really got over to this. I've got to get a hold of what's written in the Bible. You've got to find the Word of God for your life. And when you can find the Word of God in your life, you've got to start speaking it. How do I know that? Look what he goes on to say. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believe, therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. What do I believe? I believe the Word of God, and so I release it by speaking it. Once again, you've got to find the Word of God for your life, even in the storms, when you feel like you're being crushed and, and hard-pressed on every side. Speak the Word. Remember Ecclesiastes 3.7. There's a time to speak and a time to be silent. If I can't stay in line with the Word of God, I've got to be quiet. No matter what it looks like. Now a few years back, I was in need of a job. I mean a good job. And there was a utility company was hiring. They had one position. And the day I went in and applied for it, there was 300 people. And so they started narrowing it down. There was five of us left and I was one of them. Two of us left and I was still one of them. I mean, me and Shelly were speaking the word. Thank you, Father God, this is a blessing. I go in the next day to get the job, and they give it to the other guy. And I mean, I was like, God, what's up? Do you not? God. And so it threw me for a loop. I mean, a big loop. I went home. Man, I didn't even want to go home. I didn't go home and tell Shelly I didn't get the job. I felt like a failure. I was like, why? So I walked in and told her, and she looked at me and thanked God for a wife of faith. She said, you know what I believe it is? God's got something better. Now at that moment, God, I didn't have no faith. It was one of those deals, and I remember her looking at me, and she said, you just drop it in neutral, buddy. Yes, dear. So for a couple of days, guys, I stumbled around. And we got back into agreement. We started just saying, thank you, Father God. Storm life, it started squeezing me. And I said, I thank you, Father God. You ordered my steps. The steps of a righteous man are ordered to God. You said that, that you would provide for me, that you take pleasure in the prosperity of your servant. So, man, I got back over in faith. I said, I thank you, Father God. Two weeks later, that company calls me back and they said, no one knows this, but this company is getting to, to, to ready to split. Part of them are going here, and part of them are going there. Now, if you go in this other direction, you will become a value resource to them because you will be the only one for that new company who knows where all this stuff was. To make a long story short, guys, I was promoted far more than I would ever been 
with the first job. And so the thing is, sometimes we don't know what God's got planned for us. A lot of times when when we get squeezed and we don't understand, what do we do? We go on strike against God. God doesn't like me. He's mad at me. And so even in this passage right here, when I read this, i got to understand, God's going to help me. But when life squeezes you, keep speaking the word. And if you can't, drop it in neutral. Mark chapter 4, and we'll end with this today. Mark chapter 4. Speak the word, speak the word, even in hardships, difficulties. And God will move in your life, I promise you. Mark 4, verse 35. And on the same day when evening had come, Jesus said to him, to the disciples, let us cross over to the other side. And what I want you to know something, guys, when Jesus tells you he's going to do something, he's going to do it. It's going to happen, guys. I've just got to hook up in faith and believe that. Now, in this passage right here, I want you to get two things. Jesus said, all right, boys, let's go to the other side. The two things I want you to understand, first of all, when Jesus tells us to do something or something's going to happen, notice here, he didn't tell them how long it would take. He didn't say, boys, in about three hours, we'll be over there. Everything's going to be fine. going to be great. No, Galatians 6, 9 says, don't grow weary in doing good, for in due season you'll reap if you think not. When's due season? A lot longer than you think. The second thing he does there is he didn't tell them if there was going to be any difficulties. He just said, let's go. Now, you got to get to that in your heart. When Jesus puts something around, I just got to obey and understand some things. Now, look what he goes on and happens here. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and the little boats were also with him. Verse 37, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. And you know what's very interesting in this story? When this happened, I wonder if the disciples didn't say, why is he letting this happen? Why did Jesus drag us on this little trip? And before long, if not careful, you'll start complaining. And what I found in my own life, that with my own words in a storm, I can, I can elevate that storm to become a hurricane. I can elevate it even to become catastrophic. How do we do this? Well, when the storms of life happen, this is too hard. This is too much. I can't take this. I hate this. How many have ever said this? Why do bad things always happen to me? When we get squeezed, how many have ever said this? When it rains, it pours. I had any luck at all, it'd only be bad luck. Nothing good ever happens to me. See, this is what I'm talking about. And so when life starts squeezing us, guys, you better understand, speak the word or drop it in neutral. And so Jesus is, is, is on the boat here. I mean, life starts getting rough. 
The disciples think we're fixing to die. It's bad. So look what happens. Verse 37 or verse 38. But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. Jesus was really concerned. You know what I believe? He understood Psalm 127 too. He gives his beloved sleep. So Jesus is in the middle of a storm. He's sleeping. Look what happens. And so they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? They're freaking out. We're fixing to die. And he's up there playing Pastor Pilla. Look what happens here. Then Jesus arose and he rebuked the wind. How did he do that? Look what it says. And he said to the sea. He spoke to the sea. He spoke to the storm. Now this is big that you get this guys. What did Jesus speak to the storm? Look. Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Jesus spoke the desired result. He didn't speak the problem. Actually, he called those things that didn't exist as though they did. If you'll notice there, he didn't look at the fellows and say, Boys, get your life jackets. We're fixing to die. It's getting bad out here. I hope you guys know how to paddle. Because we're up the creek. If you'll notice there, what did he speak? He spoke the desired result. He spoke what he wanted for their lives. Now that's big because in, in uh, Mark eleven twenty three it says, Whosoever shall say unto the mountain, Be thou removed and be cast into the sea, and not doubt in his heart, but believes those things he saith, he will have whatever he says. He'll have whatever he says. So i got to get my tongue in line. Not only that, Mark eleven twenty four 24 says, Whatsoever things when you pray that you believe you receive, you'll have them. Whatever things you pray. I don't pray for bad things, so why do I say that stuff? And so I believe right here, Jesus was telling the disciples, In the storms of life, pray. In the storms of life, speak to them. Speak the desired result. That's why it's important. You find what the Word of God is and you start speaking it. I don't care how bad it looks. Speak the Word and continue speaking. So look what happens. But He said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Now Jesus right here, He equates fear with no faith. Now I can tell you this right now. Where fear is present, faith isn't. They don't coexist together. But where faith is, fear isn't. Now you want to locate whether you're in fear or faith? Just start listening to what you say. Oh God, it's getting bad. Gas is going to four bucks a gallon. I know a gallon of milk can be five bucks, but what are we going to do? See, you just start listening to the things that you say out of your mouth. And if you're not careful... It's very easy when life starts squeezing us to not speak the word. They go on to say this, and they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Now what you got to see, guys, is a couple things. I believe it's very important in the storms of life 
that you turn to Jesus just like the disciples did. I mean, you turn to him and you realize, okay, Lord Jesus. The second thing for every one of us, if you'll notice here, they started out great and they ended great. The battle is that middle journey. When all things are going bad, what are you doing in there? And a lot of times in the middle of the journey, people miss it. You know why? We give up. We quit. We start speaking death instead of life. And so, I don't know what you're going through today. But I suppose you're probably going through some storms. And some of your storms may be more difficult than others. But it's still a storm. Are you speaking to the mountain or is the mountain speaking to you? And every one of us, guys, we have an opportunity to respond to the things of God. Or we can respond to our feelings. And we can lash out and we can get mad. We can pout. We can throw a tantra. I can speak the word. I can speak the word of God. Now, none of us are, are immune from, from not having a bad day. Guys, I came to work on Monday, and it was one of those days. I felt like I was going uphill the whole day. I went home Monday night, and I'm telling you, I, I looked back in the rearview mirror of Monday, and I thought, did I get anything done today? Now, it had been easy to sulk and went around and whine. But instead, I started saying, okay, Father God, when I go to the office tomorrow morning, Woo, the Spirit of God is going to teach me. There's going to be revelation knowledge and things are going to begin to happen. I thank you, Lord. It's going to be a blessed day tomorrow. And you know what? I walked into Tuesday, the eye of the tiger, a fresh outlook. And I believe that's what happens a lot of times. You start sulking and pouting and thinking you're the only one that's going through anything. That's wrong. How many of you in here right now are going through something? It's unanimous. Because the ones of you who didn't raise your hands, you're liar, liar, pants on fire. And we're going to pray for liars after the service. <laughs> Just kidding. But once again, see guys, every one of us are going through some things. But I believe I get a hold of the word of God and I start speaking by faith. And I start calling those things that be not. And I speak to that mountain every day. I, I speak to it by faith and I tell it, this is what the word of God says. Stand up with me.